Hey, it's Vanner. I'm back again and this time with a quick update and what's happening with Jonathan and Vanner. So uh, Jonathan recently attended the Section 4 business course, which he's super stoked and excited about. And uh, we've actually been talking about maybe putting an episode together to share some of that experience with you. So we're working on that. And then Jono is feverishly working on updating his portfolio, getting all his business stuff back together and aligning with a whole bunch of stuff. So he's been a quite a busy guy. And I think it's about time that we actually drag him into the studio again just to have a conversation. Well, virtual studio, we're all stuck kind of locked down here in Poland. I hope that you're keeping safe on your side. Then uh, on my side, I've entered the world of live streaming. Yes, I'm trying to experiment a little bit more with video, which has been treating me well. And uh, you might have or probably have seen some of my YouTube videos. If not, please go check it out. I need some support and some feedback. So definitely jump into YouTube. Look for Van Puchert. You'll see my channel there. And I'm trying to build up a little bit of a subscriber base. Not that I see myself as the new next PewDiePie, but really trying to just try and add value, build content around my brand. And of course, we'll come back here onto Block Thinking to talk a little bit more about that because I also know that Jonathan is experimenting with that. By the way, I started experimenting with some artificial intelligence content creation tools, which is very interesting and it's not perfect, but it's really building something quite unique. Then uh, if you want to, and you want to keep up to date with what I'm doing in the video slash live streaming world, I want to invite you to check out a little page that I put together. It's called uh, one word, creativecoffeebreak.live. I'm going to say that again, creativecoffeebreak.live. There you can jump in, check out some of the positioning stuff, but it's really just a bit of a suck you into my mailing list kind of vibe. So Jump into that, um, jump into my mailing list. I only mail when I go live or if I have any new content or new news coming up. And I'm trying to merge that a little bit with what we're doing here at Block Thinking. So it's kind of a platform for that as well. So if something happens here, it's bound to be pushed through there. So really jump in there. Also, a uh, little bit of a value add. I'm working on a document that is going to help people a little bit or at least share some of the information that I've learned regarding live streaming uh, specifically on LinkedIn uh, and specifically also I got some rec- uh, some compliments uh, on the gear that I'm using software and hardware and I'm just slapping it together because I think it's really important for us to up our virtual games and you can do so much by just increasing the quality of your audio and your lighting and then uh, finally also looking perhaps at what you want to do with your camera But um, I'm not talking big bucks here, but I'm really willing to share as much information as possible. So it's kind of a little bit of a carrot if you want to jump into my mailing list. And then the reason I'm doing this update, uh, the last update was uh, from uh, another project that I'm working on. It's called the Creative um, or the Innovation Breakfast, not the Creative Coffee Break. It's the Innovation Breakfast. This is a a format where I get together with Jens Heitland, um, a German guy who drives innovation, former IKEA um, leader in innovation, super clever guy, where myself, Joshua Nuttall from South Africa, and then Dennis Luyer, a visual strategist uh, from the Netherlands, we kind of get together, drink coffee, and then talk about 
innovation and from our different perspectives. Of course, with a strong leaning because all four of us are entrepreneurs. We are former corporate guys, well, specifically Jens and myself. And then, uh, you know, thinking about uh, all these topics, innovation, specifically from an entrepreneurial perspective. And I think it is also relevant for for folks perhaps like yourself who still sit in an organization. So this episode, we really um, dive into leading cultural transitions in a growing organization. So all the learnings from myself and Jens, and then of course, fresh new perspectives, specifically Joshua. Joshua is a well-read man, and uh, he brings a whole bunch of new insights to the table too. Is the format perfect on this show? No, we are still crafting it and we're still figuring out and we're also thinking about actually expanding this format to include more diversity, more different kinds of people and perhaps a bit of a different format because it can get quite long. And talking about long, I'm talking way too long. So let me keep my mouth shut and hook you up with the second episode of the Innovation Breakfast. And please, if you want to send out uh, your feedback, and of course, like I said before, creativecoffeebreak.live. Jump into my mailing list and uh, yeah, let's stay in touch. Today's episode is another innovation breakfast where I meet with previous guests to dig deeper into a specific topic. The topic of today is leading cultural transition in a growing organization. Please welcome back to the show, Joshua, Dennis and Berna. Welcome back, guys. How are you doing? Hey, it's good to be back. Thank you. Good to be back. Talking about cultural transition in companies. So, as as you all know, today we are looking into leading cultural transition in a growing organization. That um, is the the topic for today where we dig more into. But let's recap from last time. Last time we talked about culture, organizational cultures, and how that is as well from an entrepreneurial perspective. Uh, mindset inside of different organizations. So today we look more into what are different transition points and how culture is defined, and maybe as well looking a bit, little bit of culture in different uh, companies and countries. Dennis, you're you're the first one. What are your thoughts uh, without preparation? <laughs> <laughs> so in any any project I start, I tend to zoom out to try to get a complete uh, uh, picture of what I'm dealing with. And when you're talking about uh, cultural transitions, the best way to actually look at the transition is to zoom out a lot and see how, uh, when you're talking about growth in a conversation, uh, see how somebody went from a creation of having a good idea to finding a partner, to creating an alliance with uh, three or four people, uh, to uh, moving, uh, uh, taking people on and having about 20 people. And then your culture starts to change. You start to have a very diverse uh, group of people. Then you move to uh, 50 people, 200 people. And then every every time you actually grow and move through these uh, uh, growth spurts, um, this is where we say uh, the culture changes. This is where it's interesting to look at. And the, the only real way to look at that is to zoom out and look at what's happening when you are uh, moving through these um, cultural shifts or cultural transitions, when you increase in numbers. And the basic foundation for at least my belief in saying that um, uh, everything changes, uh, that's a a Latin verb, uh, uh, I think uh, uh, started by Ovid, (laughs) say omnia mutantur, 
um, which is uh, everything changes. And also another uh, very interesting uh, Latin quote were being panterai, so everything flows. So if you if you take those words and say everything is flowing, everything changes constantly, and uh, then the only way to truly look at those changes is by by zooming out. And um, when we get to that point, saying well let's float above a growing company and see what's happening, I think that's a great found, uh, starting point for us to start thinking about what kind of transitions we're seeing. That's because, a tough start for us. Well, <laughs> for you didn't bring in Latin, so now how do I follow that? Yeah, I was about to say, Werner, you're next. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit, and, and, and in this conversation, maybe I'm also a little bit clouded because, and, and we need to just guide it in the right direction because I'm currently working, uh, consulting on a project where there is change happening in an organization or they are trying to inspire or influence change, right? And um, the, but the, the, what I would mention though, is that the change is directly related to something that I'm very passionate about. And it's probably still a newbie as a South African, I should be more experienced with it, but it's really around um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when those kind of words come up, it's inevitably going to have a, a change on how you do business, your culture internally. And uh, we started talking about it and that's a complex thing. And we can explore that as well. But I think one of the big things that, um, we were we are exploring at the moment is like what are we first of all culture change starts with human beings inside an organization i think that's where we first have to start is that you zoom back because for me sometimes organizational culture feels very ethereal up the top like oh it's magical it's human beings it's people it needs to come from the top down like we said yesterday if it's not driven by the executives and, and their mandate that's a problem but then the other thing that is a challenge that we're currently exploring is like, who are we trying to change? I think in the past, what we're trying to do is to try and prepare the organization to be all cool and allow people in and label the toilets properly and all that kind of stuff. The thing is with cultural change is that you also have to look at the people that are currently in the organization and how they are going to absorb or affect or be involved in that change. So that's kind of some of the things that is kind of floating around my mind. I don't have all the answers. But I think one of the important things is to to rip off the plaster of like this organizational thing and, and focus in on it's actually people. We need to focus on the people. Love that. Let's go to Joshua. Yeah, so it's two different two two acts that uh, I'm going to try and follow. Um, and so maybe Vanna, what what you mentioned around people definitely got my mind thinking, and it's quite interesting to see certain synergies in some of the things that I'm also working on and and specifically preparing for this discussion today. And there's sort of four things that I started with when I started thinking about it. The first is history. The second is influencing factors. The third is science. And then the fourth is people and psychology. And those four things sort of came from two books. Um, the first is Loon Shots by Safi Bacall. Um, and if you haven't read it, I'd highly recommend it. And I've got some other nuggets that I'll share during the, per, the, the point of this conversation. And then the second book is Homo Sapiens by another great cool. thinker, Yuval Noah Harari. And it's amazing when you start thinking about people. And one of the biggest things that I've did, revisited, and I've read this book a number of times, but in thinking about today's conversation, I went back to sort of the foundations of the agricultural revolution and how that sort of changed the way that people think, our psychology, our dependencies on different spaces, and how that really fast-tracked certain ways and made us dependent on certain things that we didn't realize how dependent we were once when we were evolving as humans. 
And I think that's a number of things bundled into there. But in terms of thinking about culture, I think that we need to identify with change. We need to identify with people. But we also need to identify with Vanna, like you rightly said, who is it that we are trying to change and what is it that we are trying to change? And so those are two of the foundational books that I've sort of re- re- gone back to and visited and pulled some nuggets out for today's conversation. But I think we have to a great start. And Jens, I'll throw the, throw the mic back to you in, in Germany. Thank you. Yeah, what, what just got, got, got me thinking was um, I 100% agree with, with Werner. We need to zoom in into the people. Where I slightly disagree or have a have a point is, again, this hierarchy way of thinking. I, I think change needs to come from the inside and you need to allow the change happen, which means if you work with a management team or, or you are a manager or leader inside an organization, you, you can't force the change. I mean, you can try, but at least in my experience, it, it will never happen. So you need to enable the change, unleash the change and, and, and support the people in where they are and and then unleash that opportunity to change and really find out what are the different things you need to unleash in every person inside that organization to be able to change towards a direction which hopefully you set up together or you have someone who is setting up a direction. Um, so, go. So I wanted to react to it and I want to break your train of thought. So, I mean, we also spoke about this top-down conversation last time, right? And I yeah. also want to clarify it because... And I'll explain to you why I'm so passionate about the top-down thing. Um, and, and I think that probably my articulation of it is probably incorrect. Your, your articulation is much better, is the enablement. Um, and I think in South Africa, what I've seen, um, and Joshua, you can definitely disagree with me because I'm not in the country at the moment, but my early career was there, um, is that it needs to come from the top as an enablement. Um, the thing that I'm worried about and, and, and concerned about what happens sometimes in organizations is that there's the sink and swim attitude, right? So we are going to, we're going to include women now on everything and we're just going to drop them in everywhere. Or we're going to bring people in of different races and cultures who haven't had the opportunity to be in this organization and we're going to make them leaders. And the thing is, I feel, and I, I've seen it in my own career that sometimes what happens is leadership feels like this military kind of way of like just dropping you in. And then if this guy like swims, he's going to make it. If he sinks, he's just not cut. He's not cut out of the right cloth. And I think when we start talking about culture and that kind of stuff is that there is a responsibility on the side of the people who are kind of enabling this to make sure that those people succeed. An ex-boss of mine always said like, let's set you up for success. Mm. And I think that is the... That is what I mean with this kind of top-down thing is that there is a willingness and to create space and then creating a space where we are trying to setting, set people up for success, not setting them up to see what's going to happen and say to go on national TV is like, yeah, we're doing empowerment. That's <laughs> super cool. And then downstairs, everybody's freaking out and flipping over because they still have to deliver everything else and then make magically make this other thing happen. So. 100% agree with you, but I just wanted to put that caveat. That's what I mean. It's I, It needs to come. I mean, for example, this project I'm working on, there's a stamp of approval. The CEO goes, and then he creates the space for everybody to do this. But then, then I believe, like you do, Jens, is that it needs to go from bottom up. Yeah. Everybody needs to actively work together. It, it's it's not like everybody's sitting there and then getting an e-learning thing on the thing, or there's a poster on the toilet door, like be nice to other people. No, everybody needs to design the change together. And I'll keep quiet. 
think that's good, Dennis. So let's Sorry. let's go back to my initial uh, uh, efforts to see if we don't dive into the nitty gritty personal thing right in the, from the beginning, because the idea is that um, um, outside of the fact that everything changes and we know that change is there and nobody's comfortable with it, um, the idea is that um, if you want to look at transitional transitions in culture, uh, I think we for this uh, particular uh, conversation need to scope. What we're talking about because if we say just the word organization we probably mean uh, 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 organizations and companies with uh, 10,000 and more people or 5,000 more people um, but if you look at the transition in culture when you have a growing company you do start with one person with two partners with five people with and you grow and there's differences in culture there these transitions are always the same and the stuff is that when, when we're talking about big organizations and change, I get that. I, I visualize uh, all kinds of situations where people are trying to get a grip on that huge uh, elephant in the room where they say, oh, it's change. And we have to uh, know uh, how to tackle this within uh, the 10,000 voices in our uh, uh, company. And I totally relate to uh, Werner's point of uh, uh, right now, um, through diversity, people being dropped into places which aren't maybe naturally happening. But because of our push towards diversity and uh, equality, uh, that is a, a, a step towards a, a new kind of change. But if you literally look at the way that you move from uh, having an own idea and like we're having uh, this conversation and say, we with these four people start a little company. And uh, we have four different ways of working, which can be great. You know, if we are four exactly the same people, it's not so great because we miss diversity. Mm. So you add some more people around that and you add some more people around that. But at some point, the diversity becomes uh, a challenge because your differences in languages be become uh, apparent and you need to make very clear um, uh, decisions on uh, what you say on what level and what responsibilities lie with whom. And this is exactly what's happening when you have a startup moving from like four or five people to 20 people and you have the original CEO who's realizing, shit, maybe I'm not really good at being CEO. I need to let this go. I need to have somebody who knows how to do this uh, in charge of my company. You know, and this is this is exactly, the, I think, the cultural change that should be interesting for us to talk about because uh, it's easy to say, let's talk about uh, 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 change in, uh, of culture in bigger organizations. Everybody's talking about that. But if you ramp up from having an understanding uh, uh, where that comes from and how you change from level to level, because that is always the same, uh, you, can, you can say, well, how did you grow? And where did you, how, did, how did your culture change from there to there? And what happened then? And you want to go back to your original values? You can't because there's too many people, you know. And there's all kinds of stuff that's very, very interesting there. So can I can I share the screen? Is it allowed in this this podcast? Yes, yes of course. I may just I may. for the audio people, so you need to switch to the videos. But oh, okay, so, so but I just so you need to explain Dennis, it maybe, then. That's good. Yeah, maybe just just building on what Dennis while you're busy sharing your screen. Um, it, it's just you know Thanks. starting to think about something that <laughs> Jens, is, Jens is the host, so I'll have to make that uh, available yeah. to you. But, you know, building off something that we mentioned last time in, in terms of this cultural transition and talking about the starting culture, 
And I think that you mentioned a number of great points there around how do, how do businesses start and what do they what do they start with? And I think, you know, in, in like I mentioned, Safi Bakal's book, Loon Shots, and you guys might be familiar with it and as well as the audience, but he references the magic number. And the magic number that he references in organizational size is 150 people. And then he talks right. about how your cultural shifts when you get to that stage. Oh. And I just want to quote, quote quickly from his book before Dennis shares his screen. And he says, as a group gr grows, the balance of incentives shifts from encouraging individuals to focusing on collective goals to encouraging a focus on careers and promotion. And I think that that's quite interesting when you think about the way people interact with one another inside an organization when they get to that stage, because then all of a sudden your incentives shift and you are no longer swimming in the same channel. And it's not necessarily to say that everyone must swim in the same, same channel, but what are you actually working towards and how are you working towards that culture or achieving those objectives for that specific business? Um, in and around or below the 150 mark. And then once you go above that 150 people in the company. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And, and I, think, I that, think, yeah. That, that magic number, that is something that we can see and place and saying, well, uh, there's a whole lot of stuff that's happening before the 150. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Or yeah. let's talk about what happens afterwards. But I, 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 that's just one visual, and I'll, I'll try to make it rich also in text um, because I share just a very simple uh, sketch in saying, well, you just start with one person, uh, and it is about human beings. It is about people. You know, you have a one person who has a great idea, and he shares it with other people, uh, or she shares it with other people. I have to be diverse, of course. <laughs> and in that sense, you, you're, you grow in numbers. But going from just one idea to three uh, people, that's already a huge thing because you're mixing not only your ideas, but the ideas of others. It's not about you. It's the first chance you get to, to listen and hear that it's not about you. It's also about other people, how to merge that idea. Unless the other people just want to support you in your idea, which is also a cultural choice. You know? But when you move towards five, you already get like, some form of structure going. And this is where it gets interesting when you get moved towards 20, because when you have 20 people, usually I would say the core of what you started with is uh, just uh, grown. And you have some people who protect your start and you have people who have been attracted to grow just to do the work. But when you move to 50, that work starts to uh, fall into different departments or different, different possibilities and different things to grow. And then uh, you get more to a point where, well, do we do we structure this hierarchically or are we uh, do we really like the Spotify and the, the Facebook models? And uh, are we a software development with no uh, no uh, top responsibility, but we have shared responsibility? You have a whole lot of books on uh, doing things like this, but moving from the 50 to 100. And like you said, um, Joshua, the, the, what was the, the, the magic number? 150. 150. Yeah. Let's make it 150. So, 150. so for the people listening to the audio, what I'm seeing on my screen here from Dennis is like a circular movement. At the top of the circle, you start with one person and then it kind of expands out. And what Dennis is drawing out is like you can see in the groups as it, as it moves from 135 to 20, the complexity increases between the interactions of the people. And then it kind of goes all across to 150 in a circular motion 
Nice drawing there, Dennis. Um, but it just shows how things are changing in iterative ways as more people are added to the organization. Yeah, yeah. And I'll take it away again because and, and the point has been made. Yeah. The idea is that you can see the difference yeah. in growth, and uh, there is a difference in the growth of cultures. And I would say, for purposes of this conversation, um, we can talk about uh, uh, cultural transitions in that sense and saying, well, what happens when you uh, have a startup and um, it's growing like crazy uh, and it's maybe not what you expected, uh, but there's transitions in there and how do you navigate through those? Or you can already move towards uh, the 150 and beyond and talk about uh, what happens yeah. when you are uh, in that space because they are different conversations. I would I would propose let's start in the beginning and then we can see where how how far we get because I think we have started already on large big big businesses which, um, and we have talked about cultural changes a lot in the last one or at least looking a bit more into yeah. bigger uh, organizations so a good example of the one two three is when when Dennis and 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 I started the business together with the third person which is Stuart last year. So that was that was quite an exciting thing where we have seen as well the different transition from every one of us was a single person single business in in their own and then we said let's 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 build an event company let's do something together where we look into transforming mindsets of executive towards how how they can work with innovation so we we basically started with that idea and then Everyone was bringing his thoughts into in into the weekly, let's say, meeting and, and engagement, and then we basically built on top of each other. So it was going from one idea and merged into different ideas, and we we got to know each other so deeply during a year now um, that we basically thought, and and I think there there has been built up a culture just between the three of us in a way that it wouldn't be if you're alone. And that's already right. like going from one person to three three people. That's That was an interesting learning for me as well over the last year, which is now happening in the other business with um, with the XYZ Playground, where, where we look into uh, reverse mentorship models or and a platform which, which I work with Joshua. We are basically in the early stage of that as well, where we have, we started with 10 people and figuring things out. And, and, yeah. and merging in different ways. Yeah. And if I can latch onto, I mean, this is Joshua's fault, right? And I'm stealing royally from him because he, he kind of nudged my memory. Um, I'm a super fan of this book, Sapiens. And the other thing that I want to draw out of that book, and it kind of aligns with you just told, Jens, is that, and I think this is where we position this conversation today because I jumped into changing of the story. What we're talking about, uh, and, and the thing is the book touches on how we as human beings keep on telling each other different stories. Mm. everything is a story culture is a story uh, being polish south african is a story we tell ourselves now when you start your business you are shaping the initial parts of that story you're putting the story down and you're starting to tell the story of what this business is what it's going to going to be and how it's going to grow and the thing is that story is alive you need to change the story over time yeah. and then later on we get so attached to that damn story when big things happen and we need to change the story we get sensitive about it but we forget that it's only a story that we're telling ourselves, yeah, which is super if, interesting. But what if you already know that the story is going to change? What if you had a, a great mentor 
saying to you, when you get to uh, 10 people, your story is going to change and you know that it's coming. And that, that is maybe you just identified where we need to solve this is to, to be prepared and set it yeah. up that people accept. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's the, whole, that's the, I would say that's the whole idea. You can read about all this stuff in a book, but you can the, the moment that you go through it, um, when you have the knowledge that at some point it's going to change and it doesn't, then you still will have the question: why isn't it why isn't my culture changing? Because I read that it was going to change when I was getting gonna hit 10, 10 people. Well, it depends on where you are in the world and what kind of business you do. If you sell apples and you have nine people working for you selling those apples, it's a different culture as nine engineers working together on one big project. You know, yeah. so, and, and in that sense, the, the composition of the people and what they're doing is paramount to the formation of and shaping of that culture. Let's move to Joshua. Yeah, Dennis, and I think, you know, building off a lot of what you said there, I think that it is it is recognizing that things are going to change. And I think, you know, Jens, to go back to something that you were mentioning around starting a team or starting an organization, I think there are different types of leadership and different types of styles that will inform cultures. And I think, you know, bringing it right back to, you know, starting or being a founder inside an entrepreneurial organization to look at some segments that we chatted about last time is how do you start setting up at that vision? What story are you telling? Who are you serving? And how are you communicating that? Because I think that is the, the foundationals and if we call it the bedrock of how you start thinking about culture. And then from there, you can say, okay, well, who are the different type of people? And to go back to something that I mentioned in the last conversation from Jim Collins is good to great is the who. So who are the people that form the foundational culture inside an organization? And a lot of the things that, that we've worked on with people in this call is around understanding the people inside of the room. And like we've mentioned in this conversation and in other circles is we all really find the importance of people very important in the way that we converse, the way that the change that we drive and things like that. But Dennis, to maybe jump to your point around, you know, the different scenarios and the different ways that you need to approach culture in terms of the roles and responsibilities that you will be fulfilling as an individual or as an organization. And again, something that Safi Bukal re references is called the Moses trap. And I don't know if anyone on the calls heard about what the Moses trap is. So essentially, it talks about how when, when ideas advance only at the pleasure of a holy leader who acts for the love of loon shots rather, for, rather than for the strength of strategy. And I think that that, again, talks to this notion of transition is when you're working for yourself and you're an entrepreneur or solo entrepreneur. Um, and then how do you start building out of that team? And reading again something last night and sort of tying some synergies and strings together here is, Bill, Bill Gates's philosophy and this Moses trap analogy is when Bill Gates built out of his team, he references how when he was building out Microsoft, he says he has a love for software and a love for the technical practicalities of building software. But he got to a point where he had to realize that in order to scale and in order to grow, so this is now moving from one to five to 10 to 20, he had to start to delegate. And I think that that's an extremely difficult thing to do when you hold your culture very close to your heart and thinking about how do you delegate inside of that space? Who are the people that you can trust inside of that space to do a job as good as you would necessarily do it? And that's just something that I wanted to highlight and build off what you were saying, Dennis, about how if you're an apple, an apple farmer who sells apples at the market versus a Bill Gates software engineer who's building out and scaling Microsoft, 
there are lots of lessons, although they might not seem similar, in the very way that those businesses grew out in themselves. Yeah, yeah love that. And I think if, if we build on top of that, there, there are differences, but there are similarities. So when you start out, like, like you said, it's first starting with a vision uh, of the, the initial idea of the founder, maybe. So, so a person who is putting out a mission and saying, hey, I, I would love to dig into that. I have an idea and that's something I want to solve. And then people will identify themselves to be part of that. Because in the initial phase, it's, it's, it's often not, not in the way, hey, I employ you and you will be part of my business. It's more about, hey, this is my vision. That's what I want to do, that I want to, want to accomplish. And then people start to join this movement, if you call it movement. And then it's, it's building on top of that. And there will be people who are selecting themselves out because they, they have thought it, they understood it differently. Um, and I think all of these topics is basically getting started is, is, is a bit like you said, but then the transition comes when it's growing and where you need to, you need to understand as the CEO or as the manager who has started that you need to step back, step, step, step back means you, you you, if you want to grow the business, if you want to grow the, the movement, you need to enable others to take it forward and, and bring their ideas in to be able to do that. And I think that's always a critical moment where either a business is growing very, very fast, where, where you empower others, or you're stagnating, at least in, in, in my, if, if we keep it super simple. Um, and that's that's what you see a lot. Um, if, even if you just take my my initial start when I started um, just my 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 coaching business alone. As soon as I took other people inside my organization, even with external people supporting me, virtual assistants, and so the 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 way I worked changed. The the way how my business was perceived from the outside world was changing. And that's just the small transition moments where. Yes, you, there, there's a culture aspect to that and there's an operational aspect of, to that. And I think that's an interesting way when you go from five to 10 and, and maybe it's not exactly five to 10, but it's like grow to, to a bigger team where you need to split up the different tasks from an organizational topic as well to, to be able to make it happen and, and fulfill the, the needs of your customers. Yeah. So, so this is a great moment to jump in with uh, my experience personal experience of growing a company from uh, uh, one idea to with two to two partners uh, to me leaving when we had about 25 people. Mm. Um, uh, and the weird thing there was that um, these were all engineers that uh, uh, we were putting together. Uh, and the, the foundation for growth was positive reinforcement. So there was never a critical words in the growth of the of the of the smaller company. Um, so, and for reference, uh, we were drawing uh, for larger uh, organizations to draw out anything from products to uh, to visions, and everything that's in between. Uh, and because these are all intelligent people having uh, masters in industrial design, they are able to. Uh, work with uh, people uh, to, to visualize that. But within the company, this, uh, I would say, equality in um, uh, mental ability to think about the growth of a company become, became uh, something that got in the way because everybody 
um, uh, wanted to have a say, and we gave everybody a say because it was all positive. And uh, uh, creating roles and accepting responsibility became extremely difficult to do. And in that sense, when I uh, exactly after 10 years of being part of that, uh, of about starting the company, I exited the, the, the company uh, with the realization that I uh, I wouldn't call myself uh, Steve Jobs or, uh, or, or Bill Gates, but uh, I am a starter, an, innov an innovator, an innovator. So somebody who gets an idea and starts to grow anything around it and starts to make it bigger by the actions that I do. Uh, and uh, at the time, I couldn't uh, consolidate with my partners to a point where uh, I would find a position in the company that would satisfy me in, in seeing it grow because it was my baby. You know, it was my baby. And um, I had to uh, literally um, say, well, I think I should be on, on the top of the mountain. Uh, but you guys, my partners, didn't, didn't agree in that sense. And uh, this was a really, really important part um, because we wanted to grow beyond 25. And in order to do that, um, I had to leave the company, mm -hmm. which is a really, really important thing to do. Uh, and um, after I did that, the company grew a little bit, but I won't go into details about what happened after that. But um, uh, for me personally, it was a really good decision to start over again because I feel comfortable in the waters of doing that. Um, and I would say going, going back to the transition, the, the biggest thing in the transition, the biggest mistake we made during the formation of the culture was to keep the culture uh, based on friendship because that's where it started. It was constantly friends coming in and uh, very close and not being able to be clear and uh, decisive and uh, maybe pointing uh, fingers and saying, no, you have to do this and this and this. Everything was, you do your own thing. And at 25, that was, meh. And then after where I left, that didn't go that well uh, either, you know, because there was no vision, no vision on the, on the bottom to actually move uh, towards the desire to grow. And it's like, it's, it's such an important thing to say, well, like you said, Jens, you have that starting vision that, that is when, when you move towards five people, that vision changes mm. because it doesn't stay that same vision because it's, it, you know, and, and that's, that's maybe me saying, shut up, Dennis, uh, let Werner uh, riff on that because uh, <laughs> that is, that is literally when you move towards um, uh, a different uh, culture, it's your vision changes. Yeah. I, I have a similar story actually of a cultural shift that cost me a, the only time I was on an actual real board of directors, I had to quit my, uh, quit my position there, but it was, uh, it's, it's not similar to your story though, Dennis. It's like I th one of the early lessons I learned. And the thing is, let me clarify why I'm telling this story is that I think that in this call, I think we all get the value and the importance of culture, but in my experience, I've worked with lots of very talented people, business people who did not put or do not put a lot of value on culture. The lucky thing is that culture happens no matter what. So for example, we, I worked in a startup where just by fluke, the culture was just awesome. You know, the pain did come in though, when the growth started happening. So Joshua, thanks for that, because we were going to go exponential and that's where the wheels came off because there wasn't a preparation, there wasn't an awareness around the story. 
The, the other thing that I would say, though, and this is something that I joke about, and this is the way my board story comes in, is that I come from an advertising agency background. Now, a lot of people sneer and snicker at it and like, yeah, admin, but I was lucky enough to work with the last mad men. And why I'm bringing that up, this up is that advertising people and maybe someone from advertising is watching it. We are usually working super long hours. We, can't, we get paid dirt. <laughs> we have to do the craziest crap. We work with difficult clients, but people continue to do that. I was in there. The reason we did that is we had a story to be telling. We had a culture of excellence and we were working towards something. Now, the reason that I lost my or left my position is that at some stage, what happened is that we, we built a, a small agency from scratch uh, where everybody worked towards this kind of using culture to build up that was really in, 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 in deep shit, if I might say that. And we turned it around and we were ready to make that growth shift. I understood that. And of course, all the people with the Excel spreadsheet started walking into the boardroom showing us that we need to do. So the thing that we had to do is we had to scale. And I knew and understood that. I also knew that that was going to be a change. However, the way they wanted to scale it was going to destroy the culture that was set up in the beginning. There was a certain vision, mission, and attitude that this team had. And I feel like some of that stuff you can retain going forward. Because if you destroy that, you move away from inspiring people to do work towards trying to manipulate people to do work. And they were trying to force this, this, this merger through with a company that didn't share the same goals to create the scale. And I fought it as much as I could. And at the end of the day, as a leader, you have to say, okay, I'm in and I believe in this or I have to step away. And a lot of people did step away along with me which was sad because at the end, the merger didn't happen and all the work we did kind of fizzled away over time. But I don't know what the actual point is I'm trying to make, but I do think that that kind of nuclear story that you're telling, that nucleus needs to be nurtured. And the other point I'm making is that not everybody, and we need to kind of be clear on that assumption, is aware that culture is happening within their startup, even if they kind of take note of it or not. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where like in big, 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 large organizations, you have a culture team and people taking care of that. That's a different other topic to to dig yeah. into. But but I think that's 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 a super true point where culture is happening, doesn't matter what you're planning to do, it's just happening. And 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 I, I love that that description, what you just said is yes, the, the initial vision is 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 let's say changing but i think it's still there there the the key message or, or the, yeah. the the heart or the star of it is still there the words and the things are like, like a little bit merging mer, morph, morphing into something new but it's the the key point is there if you take that out it's a different company it's a different thing and, and it's I, so powerful Jens. Yeah. it's like i mean the thing is like i mean it just reminds me of this conversation now that you know like I, I'm now in the last couple of years of my life really kind of focused like, and I know you're trying to knock me out of that thinking too, is like, I like to turn to my spreadsheet myself to see where the numbers are going, how's the business healthy, whatever. And uh, the thing is like, if I think back to those days about how people were kind of rallying around and latching onto culture, that was really like driving the bottom line. It is not only about kumbaya, guitars around the fireplace and we all having a party, that was getting shit done. And yeah. really effectively and, and, and a very high level. 
And uh, it's powerful if you understand it. And it, it makes difference in your company. It's not just about like this, the soft feely stuff. Yeah, and I think Fair that's... Yeah, go yeah, so I think, you know, Van and, and Jens, those are such great points because I think sometimes when we are building out things and we're moving at a rapid pace and, you know, startups can go from zero to 100 very quickly and they can also go from 100 to zero very quickly in the, in the reverse direction. And I think one of the things that maybe we don't spend enough time on is actually thinking about how does that vision scale? Because I think sometimes we think we know these, and it's the ends I've written down here, you know, the empowerment, you've got cultural empowerment and you've got operational empowerment. And people are very good at saying, okay, well, I know that if we go from zero to 100 customers, I'm going to need to do X, Y, and Z. But they don't actually understand, okay, if we go to from zero to 100, we're going to have to employ 10 more people. And inside of those 10 people, how do you onboard those people? What does that look like? How do you keep them inspired? How do they buy into your vision overall? And Van, something that you said really resonated with me is because sometimes I think people misconstrue what culture is. There is an element of it that is that soft, feely, fuzzy, feel good side of things, but it's way more than that. It's actually empowering you as a person to give up and show up the best that you can on a day to day because you also believe and buy into that vision that the founders had inside of that initial organization when they first started. And something that I, again, to reference a great thinker, uh, Jim, Jim Collins, is when he talks about Jiro and Jiro Sports and how they embody that vision and how they then built that art into the great company that it is today. And they learned lessons along the way. And I think that also people understand to maybe segue this slightly is how do we, how does culture transition? Because yes, there might be a vision that is a thorough thread or a through thread that links all of the different phases of a company together. But just as we want that culture may change as different people take over as leadership changes, as roles change as an organization, Apple, for example, moves to a trillion dollar market cap. How does that and what does that leadership look like? What does the transition between a Steve Jobs to a Tim Cook look like? And where does that company go from, from that? And I might be jumping the gun there, but I just wanted to mention that around the transition because I think it's something quite important that we maybe don't spend enough time on even in the early stages of founding a company and things like that. It's a really, really good point. And it's, but it, it is, it is, it is, uh, going back to the idea that uh, uh, if you know beforehand that these things are going to happen, you can prepare for them, you know, because in a business school, they say, well, you have to get your feet wet in order to uh, know what you're talking about, you know, uh, um, but there's people who have created companies based on theory, based on, just based on the fact that they know that within a company and its growth, you're going to go through these phases. And that's, that's just a simple truth. But when you're actually going through it, it's not that black and white. It's extremely gray, you know. And um, but having markers that you know when culture, when growth shifts are needed, when culture uh, shift happens, when you grow, uh, when you know that these things are there, then you need to have people come into your company when you're beyond a certain point that are only working with that. And I really like the word nucleus in that sense and nurture uh, and nurture the nucleus. So nurture a growing nucleus because it is yeah. something very special. But at some point, sometimes when companies are so uh, special, the nucleus gets replaced. It gets taken out, polished, and maybe they realize that oh, there's something inside that's too personal. We take it out because otherwise 
we cannot grow beyond. No, and that's a huge thing. That's super emotional for the people who started the company. For the people who want to grow, it's no problem. But the thing is, I, I, you know, like it, it, it brings me to the kind of question that you left on the table, though, Joshua. Um, and this is the one that I'm struggling with. And once again, uh, not struggling with, but exploring rather. Is, and I'm trying to think about my past experiences because even with that story I told is that we what we did is we actually at some stage brought the full team into a boardroom to air their perspectives and how they felt about it and and you know and that kind of brings me back to the comment I made in the beginning and 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 hopefully this is a question I can ask you guys for advice because like how do you do the change then my my kind of hypothesis at the moment is that Perhaps going against what I said in the beginning, uh, remember I said enablement is good, but perhaps we are trying to try and drive these changes when Tim Cook comes in by driving it from the top down. What we should actually do is, is that the people who've been living in this kind of world and kind of latching onto that story, onto that culture, allowing them to say, okay, cool, we know that change is coming. Let's then design the change together rather than trying to impose it from the top down. So, I mean, the question I'm asking is, like, then how, do you, you, how, do you, how do you do that step from the 100 to 150? Like, is, it a, is that, do you get a consultant in like Joshua to come and help you? Or, you know, what, what is the thing, you know? I, I would like to riff on that. If we just take the, the, the example of Tim Cook, what a lot of people guess, and I've been working in a larger organization, that, that the CEO is the most powerful person in the organization. The, the CEO is the leader who is inspiring, in my, in my understanding, of a CEO, specifically large organizations. They have a team around them who are doing shit, who are doing yeah. this stuff. So most of the time, they're the representative of the management board towards the external world and as well reflecting that internal. So if, if, if you just take this change to, towards Tim Cook, he has had, and he was most probably even not telling that to anyone, a clear goal of what this transition is. And he wasn't saying to, to everyone, hey, we will change now. And the, that's the, the, the biggest thing that happens because he would directly create a backlash. He was putting slowly, step by step by step, his stepping stones forward to change change the world. And if you just have seen the transition of what happened, if, if you just see the business model change of Apple, which a lot of people don't get at all. But if, if you just look at that, iTunes is one of the, the, the most successful platforms in the world, which wasn't the case with Steve Jobs at that time. And of course, it's also time change and, and technology changes. But I think it's, it's, it's tremendous change what he was doing with the organization and still everyone, or let's say most of the people are most probably behind him. And I think that's, that's for me, it's, it's, it's a key leadership topic where leaders need to, to recognize that there is a change and facilitate the change, not due to change. It's not about, hey, let's talk about change the whole time. Let's talk about business. Let's talk yeah. about our customers. Let's talk about our team. Um, so, so for me, it's rather than focusing on the change, it's rather focusing on the people and the change you, are, uh, you want to make happen with your business. So how do we go from having this business model, serving this customers in that way to, to do something else. Going from selling iPhones to building out um, iTunes as one of the most dominant platforms in the world. 
which he most probably didn't say like this, but it's it, it's just a, a slightly different focus shift, which is an opportunity for a lot of people inside the organization because they still keep building iPhones and other nice things. But that, yes. focus, that, that focus shift, sorry, uh, Werner, that focus shift, that's so interesting because uh, I don't know who said, I think it was Werner who said it, or maybe even Jens. Um, yeah, you go from a point that you go from inspiring to work to uh, manipulating people to work. And there's there's a difference. Manipulation, in that sense, is a dirty, it sounds like a dirty word, but the transition that Tim Cook made is a manipulative move because he did not make it without with everybody uh, in the company in that synchronized uh, way of thinking. He had a lot of people working and he had a plan and that uh, uh, worked towards a, a big market success, which I, I think has an influence on the culture, but it's not driven by the culture. It's driven by financial desire and growth, which doesn't come from the company. It comes from the people within Apple who come up with a new business model for the company to grow even bigger. And I think there that's where a super interesting point to say, well, what happens then when you have super much success what happens to the culture? Is it the same culture? Because everybody's happy because they're having such success and such opportunity. Uh, but it, it didn't come from uh, the fact that they were part of the decision that the culture was changing. It, the, the, the business model was changed or was adapted or was uh, uh, made better. And then it has a direct effect on the culture, uh, a culture of success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there are different layers if we just take a large co- company like that. Because, I mean, having, I, I'm I'm very much into inclusion topics, but having a, a company plus 100,000 employees, you can't just involve everyone in it, no. in the decisions. No. Like you need to set a direction, which still fits under the main umbrella of the vision, but then take a decision. That's why you have a management board and a CEO to drive it towards that. And I think then it's like doing that in a way that it still fits to the culture and not changing completely. Um, Having a a step-by-step shift because I was, I was explaining it dramatically and I think they're not, they're even not finished with the transition. They're still on their way. Um, Let's, let's, let's move on to where now. Yeah. I want to like, but this is just to echo what you said. And I think because it's for me like a little bit of an aha moment. Because I think what we've been talking about here, and maybe that's the mistake that's also happening in organizations, is that we're getting so precious about our culture. It's not that precious, guys. It can change. Okay, it yeah. can change yes. tomorrow. Yes, it's not. But bad. the thing is, but Jens, what you can, yeah, no, it's not. Everything is bad. But what you've just Thank said, you. and I've got a little anecdote to tell about it as well. What you've just touched on is that, and this is perhaps also where leadership can come in, is that you have a certain culture to reach a certain goal, right? And sometimes those goals change. It's just to make sure that the goals are still something that everybody wants to reach, right? Because, I mean, I can tell you now probably, and, and I disagree a little bit with, with, with Dennis about the manipulation. I guarantee you, Tim Cook probably inspired people to say, listen, there's other guys out, I'm in, let's go get this. And then you start talking about inspiring. And then the, the rest you le- re- leave up to your leadership team to, and the people on the ground to, 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 to get towards this point. So I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm jumping around. Let me make a kind of anecdote that probably proves my point is that at the moment there's such a focus on change and equity and all these other things but we don't always talk about the value that equity and change and inclusion actually brings to a company 
Now, here's an example. I, 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 uh, I went to an event a couple of, like two years ago, where a professor from a university in Poland spoke, and we were specifically talking about diversity, inclusion, and immigration into Poland. And they have actually done a study to show that if you start bringing in people from different cultures, uh, gender, and all these things into your teams, it means that your startup environment, ecosystems, your innovation skyrocket. They've, they've made comparisons where, I mean, and this is not by intention. I mean, we just have a different cultural set here in Eastern Europe, right? It's still growing. It's different. But we have a challenge because we need to bring more people, fresh blood in. And when you bring this fresh blood in, of course, there's change in culture. You have to shift things. It's painful. It's, it's, it's just the whole thing. But there's a, there's a, like we're looking past the benefit that it brings. And you need to put that benefit on the table so that people can re rally around the benefit. Mm. And yeah, that's, no, that's, that's thanks I've, to you, Jens. <laughs> yeah, no, Van, I love, I love what you, you mentioned there around bringing in diversity and inclusion. And I think maybe just to, 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 just to join some dots in this conversation today is around, Dennis, what you mentioned around the nucleus. And I think where we need to think bigger from a leadership perspective is, is culture tied to one specific person inside of the organization, or is it tied to the vision that you want to achieve as an organization? For example, Apple, Tim Cook leaves, what is the next transition and what is the future vision of Apple? Then from a nucleus perspective and just geeking out here from a scientific perspective is saying, obviously you've got the nucleus and then you've got different mitochondria around the nucleus. And the mitochondria bring food and fuel into the nucleus. So if you want to bring in diversity and inclusion, how can you then strengthen that nucleus, strengthen the culture and strengthen the vision of the company inside of that space by doing exactly like you said, Banner, learning from other perspectives to strengthen that culture inside an organization. And then lastly, and it's back to something that, that you mentioned, Jens, is around the transition and the inspiration that Tim Cook maybe put inside certain people's heads or different departments inside of Apple. And not saying that they necessarily transitioned away from the mobile device that Steve Jobs launched and built out iTunes to be one of the most successful businesses in the world. And now are looking at Google Lens and AR contact lenses and Google car, uh, Apple cars and things like that. It's more saying around which teams and which pieces of the puzzle of the overall culture and overall visions have been turned on at different spaces and time segments inside of their overall journey. And acknowledging that culture transitions it doesn't, it's not stagnant. If it is stagnant, that's not a bad thing, but it just means that you're going to achieve a certain different thing. In, in terms of moving a culture forward, there are different pieces and different people that you're going to turn on from a leadership perspective inside of that to enable you to take the next step forward. Yeah, love that. Have been working in large corporation in different countries. What was quite interesting, there was like a company culture then inside the different countries of of that organization was also different cultures or people who have understood and translated that culture in a different way and lived it in a different way and because it was a retailer was even inside a country you have different cultures in the different stores but they are all they all have a similar red thread which is like the the maybe the nucleus of the company culture and that's then used in all the different parts of the world in a slightly different adapted way where where it's true to the people who are exactly at that 
point in time inside of that organization, in that store, in that country organization. What, what's quite interesting, what I've also seen is when transitions happen, like a new CEO, a global new CEO was placed into, into an organization with, with a specific topic to drive the next five years, which was often very clear because they put out their mark fairly early in the beginning. So I've, I've seen like, for example, three big CEO changes. Um, and that also meant that the culture was shifting slowly into certain direction. But again, it's, it's depending where you are in the organization and how much it is changing. So that's also fascinating, specifically when you look into large organizations, let's say plus thousand people, um, how this kind of things are affected and how you can support your organization to change. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit hesitant in using manipulation because manipulation is always seen as a bad thing. For me, it's more when we work with Stuart uh, from an American perspective, he's always using persuasion. That's maybe a better word to, to say it. But for me, it's more when, when I talk about change, when I talk about leadership, leaders need to be amazing and inspiration. They need to inspire people to find out what is their inspiration towards the bigger goal, towards the bigger vision that the company has. And if you as a leader can, can, can fuel this small thing, what everyone can bring towards that into the organization, then it doesn't matter what part of the culture is changing as long as it fits to the, to the umbrella vision. And I think that's, that's as important as culture inside an organization is a leader and a manager on top and inside the organization, the other different managers and leaders who are taking this and, and allowing this to happen rather than taking it from a like really old school way of thinking, top-down approach where, where hey, you need to do what I'm t telling you. Um, though I have to say it's, it's different in different cultures if we look around the globe. In some countries, that's more natural. For example, when I was, when I was moving from, from Russia to Sweden, the management style is completely different. The, the local people are understanding culture in, in, a, in a company setting in a completely different way. So if you go, if you just switch people from one country to the other country or, or managers like I was switched or I was moving, you need to adapt. You need to adapt to the local environment, to the local culture to be able to be efficient. And you can still have the, your flavor in it to adapt the culture slowly towards where you believe as an inspirational leader it should be. But it's always interesting to see that the leader has a huge effect in that. Can I, can I share a, a visual with you that uh, Werner is going to explain? Yes, of course. <laughs> That's great. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what he will, what, how, how he will explain it. Oh. <clears throat> Okay, so I mean, I can explain what's on the picture, right? Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to get this right. So what I can see here is uh, the 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 visual is called cultural transitions. So um, it's one to twenty. It's a little kid, um, and he says, "I'm culture," and then he goes over to twenty to fifty, and you can see at the top of of the figures, there's actually four figures. Um, so the small one, one to 20, um, is smaller at top of his head is like connections where the, the culture is still small and interactive. And then he grows up to 20 to 50 and, uh, it's getting a bit more complex. And then he hits 50 to 120. I am the new culture. So there's definitely a shift, but he's got his hand on top of the smaller one. So there's still a link. 
right? And then it goes over to 120 plus where things become really global, complex. Um, you have to also then look at how you adapt your culture to local because now because we're global, there's all kinds of things happening all over. So the final figure is kind of blurring into multiple figures and it says, we are culture. The I is gone as we are culture. Um, and it's tied to the vision of the organization then moving forward and growing even more. But it always starts and is always linked to the nucleus of culture where it started off. Dennis, how was that? Did I mess that up? No, he didn't. Good drawing, good drawing. <laughs> and, and, but it's like iterative change over time. Yeah. So, so I added some, some, uh, some, uh, some shifts that are now between the 120 and 2050. So actually the people, the, the, the manifestation yeah. of culture that is growing from a small kid to, uh, to an adolescence to a sex change. Yeah. You changed the uh, gender there. That's yeah. brilliant. Because we, I mean, that's, but that's, that's a super important topic that we keep on forgetting. Right. And it's, it's, it's becoming an important aspect of, of how we build our organizations now. So that's a good touch there. Yeah. And I, and, and I would say the, 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 the big thing that, uh, and let's see, do I have red? No, I just take my, my red in my hands here. Um, uh, usually, uh, we tend to look at culture as one thing. So as, as, a, as a thing like this, there's like, this is a, our culture is now in an infant stage. Uh, and then we say, well, we need to grow towards this culture. And then we uh, get all hold and bothered to how did, uh, what it will look like. And we move from here to here. And what we tend to forget is that everything happens in between. So between the culture here and here, there is no, there is no movement from going from this culture to this culture. It evolved. There's, there's all kinds of stuff that's in between. Yeah. That moves to that ever more complex thing that's growing as a culture. But the one thing I really like is the idea that the nucleus uh, evolves over time as well, and that the culture is is constantly tied to the vision, uh, because it, that in that in the end inspires and attracts the people that fit with that culture and drive that culture for, forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's interesting to see that every time that you move from one culture to another, you do a t- change. Oh, we go through a change project. No, and people tend to say, well, right now we're this, and then we're going to be that. And this is where yeah. there, I think is a bit of a, a mismatch in how people experience this, because there's no shift in culture that you can say, okay, now we're this, we've changed into that culture. There's a transition, and that's usually very gradual, uh, and it's not uh, without any uh, uh, pro- problems in that sense. And that's why it's interesting to say, well, if you look at, um, uh, culture as a growing person and at the, at the end there's going to be uh, because the, the amount of people is so big that there's not going to be one person that's going to be the face of the culture unless the culture is Gandhi or Martin Luther King and we, we and because we feel that we want to aspire something like that but because the diversity at some point is so big that it becomes very difficult to uh, um, uh, say you have one culture because a global culture uh, and the one side in Australia is probably not the same as in South Africa. Definitely not. Love that. Love that. And, and if, if you're okay, Dennis, we will put the, yeah. the uh, 
drawings as well as a PDF into the show notes. So for 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 those who are not watching the YouTube version of this, you can you can have a look at them as well. Are they cool? We, yes, we have covered a lot. I have some other things, but uh, we do that for the next time. <laughs> yeah, we, we have covered a lot today. So let's do a, a last rapid fire round. What, what did you learn today? What, what, what are your final departing words? Let's start with Dennis. Um, I, I learned that we, uh, as a group, have, a, a, I would say, a, 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 the possibility to uh, define a little bit uh, what's happening with culture uh, and that we are different people looking at it from a different per uh, perspective. So I think that's good. I think uh, uh, Joshua is great at uh, uh, taking out uh, very well and eloquently put uh, things from books and uh, uh, probably its own experience. Um, I think Werner comes uh, in with some really interesting uh, and good uh, also personal stories which I share, I, I do the same. I tend to uh, uh, bring in also some of the experience that uh, culture has um, uh, in my own um, uh, thing. And I've learned that Jens is always uh, the person that brings this together, which is a, a good affirmation for, for me to see happening between the four of us. So I've learned a lot this session and I haven't said anything about culture because this is something that will come from us as a group, I think. Great, let's move to Joshua. Yeah, so firstly, Jens, thanks for another fascinating and intriguing conversation and likewise, Vanna and, and Dennis. And I think, you know, the, the, one of the biggest takeaways for me in this conversation is while we have connected digitally and through Zoom today, the importance of people resonates stronger than ever. Um, and especially during this digital time, because we've spoken about culture, we've spoken about how you grow, grow teams, grow companies, but we keep coming back to people. And how do you inspire people? How do you lead people? And what does that future look like? And I think, you know, some of the uh, two words that sort of resonate, and I'm going to steal them from Safi Bakal again, is around a loonshot nursery and around how do you create and foster creativity inside an organization? And it links back to a common thread that we've spoken about last time is around mindset and specifically an entrepreneurial mindset. And how do you do that inside an organization which creates a culture which then allows you to make some magic and achieve great things with inside your organization team, whether you be a startup or a thousand people or a hundred thousand people juggernaut in the world today. So I think that's what I've learned is, again, it's it's reaffirmed the importance of people. And it's a privilege for me to learn from, from everyone on the call today. So thank you again for your time. And I can echo that, Joshua. Um, once I tip my hat, once I can wear a hat again when the sun is out in Poland, I will definitely tip my hat to you guys. Um, I'm super selfish. I'm a consultant, right? So I have, I'm sitting in this conversation, I'm stealing like a like an artist. So the one big takeaway from me that I'm going to be applying in a project right now is that, uh, you know, change for the sake of change is actually a little bit meaningless. Um, you can't rally people around that. You can't rally people around change, but you can rally people around an outcome. So thanks, uh, Jens, specifically for that one. Um, uh, I think that is that is one of, one of the key things that I'm taking away here is, is that, like, focus on the outcome of what you want to achieve and making sure that people, of course, buy into that outcome and maybe be prepared that you're going to lose a few folks around uh, along the way because they might not share that outcome, 
but that's also okay because that's what make us makes us cool because we want to be diverse and inclusive. So thank you. Great. Yeah, for me, it's always interesting to to see what comes out when you put uh, people into into one virtual room and discuss a specific topic. Um, because for 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 me, culture and 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 leadership is is to my heart, and where and of course business. But it's it, it's for me, it's like the the mix of different understandings of it uh, makes things happen. And the the ability to to willing to listen to other people and trying to understand their standpoints will give you a third thought, which then helps you to do things differently, helps you to understand the different perspectives, help help you to to as well question your own thoughts. And that's that's what what this breakfast setting is is about. Where hey, let's talk about a specific topic, which helps us to think differently. So it's helpful for just for us, even if nobody is listening. But I hope at least that that there are like one or two people out there who are who are thinking like, hey, that wasn't too bad what they said. That sounds interesting. I will listen to the uh, to the next one as well, or to other things we are all doing and and shared shared doing. That's it for today. Thank you very much for being in 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 another innovation breakfast. Hope to see you in in the next one again. Thank you for all listeners. If you if you listen to them on on the audio version, you are welcome to have a look at the. Uh, video version which is on, on the YouTube channel and if you're in the video version you're welcome to download the audio version as well and give us feedback in, in the comments share it as much as you want and thank you very much for listening and watching see you next time